class is finally back in session. I am your host, Coach Dwayne, host of Sports School, just a regular teacher with a sports mind. Starting to get my setup together. Um, a married Coach Dwayne now. A married Coach Dwayne now. First uh, episode uh, since I was I've been married. Uh, came out, did an episode a uh, couple days before my wedding. Got married. We went on the honeymoon, starting to get the house and stuff together. So we are back, and there's a lot to talk about. But first, let's talk about why is there a teacher doing a, a sports podcast? Well, quite frankly, uh, I found out the other day that my football players don't know the difference between left and right, and that that that's that. That's why we're doing a sports podcast. Uh, I have a whole football team. I'm talking about odd numbers to the left, even numbers to the right. They're asking me, is that number odd? Is that number even? Is left this way? Is right that way? I had to, I had to come here and just talk sports with people that understand sports. So, great stuff. I see Marlon in the comments. He's been hounding me and hounding me and hounding me about when sports school is coming back. He's not the only one, but he has been hounding me. Uh, continuously asking me about his Chargers. Yes, Marlon, your Chargers would have gotten A's for weeks three through five. Of course, he says leave week six out of it. So we're just going to act like week six didn't exist, didn't happen. But, guys, we, we, we can't start off this great segment of sports school without talking about America's team. That's right, the Atlanta Braves, America's team, the Atlanta Braves, the team that is that that is just the team of destiny, uh, a team that is just on an amazing run, and yes, you see the A, if you're watching on Facebook, it's right here, I might be biased, I might not be biased, I don't know, but the, the Braves, just to start off this grade segment, the Atlanta Braves get an A, the Atlanta Braves get an A, because they are here, and they are real, and they were counted out by myself. There's a podcast episode out there where I was wondering, why are we trading four guys? Why are we not getting assets? Why? Are we, what are we doing? And the Braves are here. And I am not upset leaving Houston uh, tied 1-1 in the World Series. In fact, I am extremely happy taking one of those games in Houston especially the way that that game was taken. So let's go back to game one. Charlie Morton dealing. Um, gets out of a bases loaded jam in the first inning, and that's when you knew things might going to go right. Then he takes a line drive off of his shin. Seems to be all right. Gets the next two outs. Comes out the following inning. So he gets two outs, goes back to the dugout, sits for a little bit. Braves put some runs on the board. Then he comes back out, strikes out Altuve, on a curveball, mind you, before he threw the curveball, he threw a 96 mile an hour fastball. So let's just let's pause right there. I hope that when I am 37 years old, uh, I can throw a 97 mile an hour fastball on what would end up being a broken leg. He got a broken leg. He had a broken leg. He got three outs. Charlie Morton got three outs on a broken leg. I twist my ankle and I'm considering calling into work. I I, I just I can't do it. I'm not in the, the shape that I, I used to be. But Charlie Morton ends up having to come out of the game um, in the third inning when he, like I said, was just dealing. 
Um, AJ Minter comes in, pitches the most pitches in his career. Um, Luke Jackson coming off just an absolutely atrocious LCS is able to come in. The slider man, he's able to get outs. Then we go to Matzik, Tyler Matzik, who if it wasn't for Eddie Rosario, could have been LCS MVP. He comes in, gets outs. We final finish that out with Will Smith. So the bullpen gets taxed. The bullpen has been used and abused all, all playoffs. So we go into game two. We go into game two, and the bullpen needs a break. The Braves are putting their ace on the mound. Max Freed going to the mound. Now, Max Freed, who hasn't had the greatest playoffs, didn't look very sharp when he pitched against the Dodgers in his last time out. He comes out. He gives up. He had, it, Characteristic, Max Freed is going to be lights out, or he's going to have one bad inning. That one bad inning for Max Freed yesterday was the second. He gives up four. However, if you continue looking at the game, if you watch the game, if you're paying attention, he wasn't getting hit really hard. He wasn't getting hit hard. He wasn't getting hit hard. Braves insiders have said that he went back to the dugout, talked to the pitching coach, and may have been tipping his pitches. Uh, and then he comes back in the third, third through sixth inning, dominates. Looks like Max Free. So maybe he figured something out as far as tipping his pitches, and that could be something to watch going forward as we, we look ahead in this series. But I still want to give Max Freed credit because these little singles, dribblers that are getting through the infield, uncharacteristically bad defense by the Atlanta Braves infield with two errors, one from Dansby, one from Ozzy. Max Freed buckled down in a game where it would have been easy for him to just shut down and we have Braves have to go back into that bullpen very early on once again. Max Freed buckles up is able to get through on a night with Braves bats aren't doing. And we'll be honest, Braves should have hit Uriquity the way that they hit um, Valdez in game one. But Uriquity had a good game plan going in. Um, Braves bats get shut down. They lose game two. But credit to Max Freed for staying in there and being a, a team leader. In, in a, circumstances that would have made... Much, a lot of sense would have been completely understandable that he just gave up, he quits, he doesn't have it tonight, things like that, and he stays in the game and he does it for the team. He's able to push through, he's able to push through, he's able to push through. Uh, another thing to watch that kind of shocked me, Kyle Wright, who in his career has a 9 ERA when he pitches in the major leagues, actually struck out the side in the 8th inning. Um, that's something to watch, especially as the Braves look into Game 4 and Game 5. Game 4 was always scheduled to be a bullpen game. Interesting to see what's going to happen in Game 5 now because Charlie Morton was the going to be the starter lined up to start Game 5. Max Freed told reporters today he wouldn't mind. It wouldn't bother him um, if he was to... He's not against pitching um, and starting Game 5 on short rest. Um, I don't know if necessarily that's the right answer. Maybe we see and we look at, you know, um, where is the series at? What happened in game three? What happens in game four? Ian Anderson has to have a great game in game three. That's a lot of pressure for a second year player. I understand that. Ian Anderson has to pitch well in game three in Atlanta. Now, I will say this. The American League rules have helped Brian Snicker so far because he doesn't have to try and figure out which which outfielder not to put in the lineup? Do we start Rosario, Peterson, Soler? Do we start Rosario, Soler, Duvall? Do we start? He doesn't have to figure that out. There's the DH spot there. 
All the more reason you bring the universal DH. Um, more offense, less decisions that have to be made there. But we go back, going back to Atlanta in the National League. Now, Dusty Baker has Dusty Baker has experience in the National League. He knows how to coach with National League rules. My thing is, is with this Astros lineup, their ability to just turn back over right back to the top has been something to watch. Um, it should be interesting to see what they do. Do they still start Maldonado behind the plate, who is a defensive catcher, um, great at you know limiting base stealers, uh, but doesn't do a whole lot with the stick? Do they go to Castro, who they tend to go to later in games as a pitch hitter for Maldonado because, uh, because he does have a better bat, but he, he's a little weaker behind the plate? Or do you still start Maldonado, you put him in the 8th spot with a pitcher following in the ninth? That should be interesting to see because if it is Castro, not as good of a, defender, a defensive catcher, very much able to be run on. Um, so that is something to watch as this game goes into Atlanta. I look for Atlanta to take 2 out of 3. If they can get 2 out of 3, including Game 3, Game 3 is a big one. If they can get Game 3, that's a huge deal. If they can get Game 4, which is a bullpen game, that would make sense, puts a lot less pressure on whoever has to start game five. Looks like it might be either Kyle Wright or Tucker Davidson. Should be interesting to see. But the Atlanta Braves get an A. The Atlanta Braves get an A for being here. The Braves weren't supposed to win the division. The Braves weren't above 500 until August. Uh, they come all the way back. They storm all the way back. They win their division. They're, they're not supposed to beat Milwaukee. They beat Milwaukee. They're going up against the big bad Dodgers. Not supposed to beat the Dodgers. They beat the Dodgers. Now they're here in the World Series. Counted out in game one. Come out firing in game one. A little bit of a letdown in game two, but this series goes back to Atlanta, tied 1-1. Looking for Atlanta to get two out of three in Atlanta. I'm saying it's going to be Braves in six. I think if the Braves can get two in Atlanta and we're going back to Houston up 3-2, look for Max Freed in game six to be Max Freed. But moving on, away from my Homer bias, uh, my go Braves, go mentality. On to the B. If it wasn't for the Atlanta Braves, this may be an A. But we're looking at surprise teams in the NFL. The NFL is in a really exciting place right now. Because it's not a runaway in either division, there's not one clear-cut team or two, one on each side that you're like, these are the two teams to watch. They're going to match each other, uh, match up against each other in the Super Bowl. Let's look at surprise teams in the AFC. The AFC surprise teams right now. You got Cincinnati, who just finished beating Baltimore. Uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Zach Taylor, head coach in that team. They look like they're on a complete turnaround. That's That team is surprising. They would actually be the one seed if the playoffs started today. The Las Vegas Raiders, who look like they've gotten better since uh, John Gruden has gone. I've always felt like John Gruden was an overrated head coach. John Gruden's Super Bowl was won on the back of Tony Dungy, uh, who does not get enough credit for that Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Uh, so the Raiders look like they've gotten better. They're winning their division. Right behind them are Marlins Chargers, who, before week six, look like they might be the team that was poised to take that next step and they were going to take over. They lose in week six. Didn't look very good, but Justin Herbert still looks like that dude. I'm not ready to go as far as Marlon is to say that 
Justin Herbert is the, the next MVP and the next Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to take over for Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time, which Marlon has already said is true. Uh, but I will say that the Chargers are ahead of schedule right now. Austin Eckler looks great. Keenan Allen looks great. How about the revival of Mike Williams? Mike Williams remembering how to play wide receiver. Uh, he's doing big things for both my fantasy teams in both the podcast league and in my, my money league. Um, and also the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans just doing it the old-fashioned way. Everybody knows Derrick Henry's going to run the ball, and no one can stop Derrick Henry. Could it be because he's the size of a real-life school bus and runs faster than a school bus is legally allowed to drive? That, that could be part of the problem. Um, the man's a beast. You know he's gonna. He's know he's doing well. And Tennessee's doing this. You know Tennessee traded for Julio Jones. We thought maybe Julio Jones gonna add another level to that passing, that passing game. Ryan Tannehill could potentially take the next step. Passing game hasn't looked that great. Julio Jones has missed a whole lot of games. Spoiler alert! I tell you, he's a Falcons fan. That's normal. Not that I wanted Julio Jones to leave, but Julio is gonna give you seven games a year. At this point, that's what he's going to give you. And then he's, he's going to miss games because of toe cramps. Um, his, his hamstring is going to be a little tight. Um, just little random nicks and bumps that come in here. Uh, bruised pinky. He, he's just going to miss games. And, and that's kind of normal. Um, but the AFC has four real surprise teams right now. And that doesn't even include these other teams in the AFC that you expect to bounce back. Like, is Kansas City going to be this bad all year? No, Kansas City's not going to be this bad all year. Um, they're going to bounce back. Um, you still got the Colts that are playing well. You still got the Bills with Josh Allen. Um Baltimore still there. It is are the Browns for real? Are they going to take the next step? Uh, Carson Wentz starting to get his stuff together. So the AFC is in a, a real interesting spot. But then you flip to the NFC and you got what I call the Big Five. There's five teams in the NFC right now that if you said that's the team that's going to win the Super Bowl, I would I, I would hey it's a real solid argument. We'll start with the seven and zero Arizona Cardinals. 7-0, Kyler Murray looks like he's going to win the MVP. Looks like he's going to win the MVP running away with it. I didn't know how much longer Cliff Kingsbury was going to be here, but he seems to have it figured out. Kyler Murray, his ability to run, his ability to pass. Dude is completing, I think, 75% of his passes right now. And he's got a plethora. That is your vocab, sports school vocab word of the day. Plethora of wide receivers. He's got DeAndre Hopkins. He's got A.J. Green, who looks like the A.J. Green of old. You got Rondell, uh, yeah, Rondell Moore, just Christian Kirk. And then, oh, by the way, they go and they trade for Zach Hurts, who in his first game scores a touchdown. So Arizona looks legit. You got the team that they're going up against in Green Bay, with who still got that bad man in Aaron Rodgers, who wishes he had just two weapons at wide receiver. Now he's only got DeAndre, uh, Devontae Adams. Um, he, Aaron Rodgers has to be... The, the, those two teams actually face each other tonight. Adams not going to play due to COVID. Um, neither is Alan Lazard, who you would assume is the number two on that team. So look for Randall Cobb to have a big game today uh, as a wide receiver. 
you know Aaron Rodgers is going to go into this game, he's going to feel some type of way when his defense is on the field and he's looking at all of the wide receivers that the Green Bay defense has to worry about. And then he's going to think about games where all defenses that he goes up against only has to worry about Devon, Devontae Adams. This goes back to many of the opportunities that Green Bay has had to take a wide receiver, trade for a wide receiver. Hey, go back to what it took to get DeAndre Hopkins. Look at what it took to get Julio Jones. And, and I just said Julio Jones isn't having a great year because he's not. But he's still Julio Jones, still going to command some attention, especially in a pass-first offense, uh, which Green Bay runs, unlike this run-first offense of Tennessee. But moving on to these other big five teams, you got the LA Rams, who look just night and day better with Matt Stafford. Uh, I see Mary in the comments. Um, shouts out to Mary. Shouts out to Michael, her son. I know he listens. Um, they get Matt Stafford, and Mary's a, a Lions fan, and I don't know. I don't know why the Lions thought Stafford and Golf was just it was it was going to be a seamless transition from Stafford to Golf. The Rams knew that that transition was going to be great for them because they were getting the much better quarterback. Not so much for Detroit, um, but the Rams look night and day better. Look like they got a whole nother quarterback. Him and. McVay seem to be in sync. Cooper Cup is putting up monster numbers. Uh, it seems like you know Cooper Cup's going to get the ball, and you still can't stop him from doing it. Not to mention, you still got Robert Woods. Um, and they're doing this without a... It seems like every running back that... If, if you're a running back for Baltimore or for the Rams, you're going to get injured. Um, and the Rams... Is it Daryl Henderson? Is Daryl Henderson that guy? We thought maybe Daryl Henderson could be the guy coming out of Memphis. He's getting hurt. Cam Akers gets hurt right before the start of the season. Um, would be interesting, wouldn't it? Todd Gurley's still a free agent. Would be interesting. if What if Todd Gurley went back to LA? Wouldn't it just be fitting? That'd just be the fitting thing. Todd Gurley returns to, to the Rams um, and helps them solidify that backfield. That would, that would be something to watch. Um, you got Tampa Bay uh, or Tampa Bay, whatever you want to call it. TB, Tom Brady, TB12, the TB Bucks. The TB12 Buccaneers, whatever. Tom Brady is still in Tampa Bay, and he's putting up MVP. He's putting up numbers above what he put up the year he won the MVP. And again, Tampa Bay has an embarrassment of riches as far as weapons for Tom Brady. Uh, you got Mike Evans. You got Chris Godwin. You got Rob Gronkowski when he comes back. Oh, no, Rob Gronkowski gets hurt. Don't worry. We'll put O.J. Howard in there, who's an athletic freak. We'll put Cameron Braid in there. We got Gio Bernard in the backfield, who, by the way, is our third running back behind Leonard Fournette, who has revived his career, behind Ronald Jones, who seems to have starting to get things figured out. Scotty Miller is still something to worry about. Tyler Johnson is a guy who was a beast in college who just seems to be forgotten about because he's part of that ridiculous array of weapons for Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay, another one of those members of the Big Five. And then you you got the Dallas Cowboys. Marlon in the comment, I just gave your Chargers some love, man. I, Marlon is steadily asking me about his Chargers. I gave the Chargers some love two minutes ago. Um, Dallas Dallas in there. Now, part of that is because their division is easily the worst division in football. Um, 
But Dak Prescott looks legit. CeeDee Lamb looks legit. Amari Cooper looks legit. Ezekiel Elliott remembered how to run the football. Um, Dallas offense looks legit. Um, Dan Quinn, since he left Atlanta, remembered how to coach a defense. Uh, that defense looks great. Diggs looks like he's just an absolute stud and a monster. Um, so the NFL is in a real interesting place because you have these surprise teams in the AFC. Again, just to rec just to go back, recap, you got Cincinnati, Vegas, the Chargers, and Tennessee. Somewhat surprise teams in the uh, in the NFC and, or in the AFC and you got these big five teams in the NFC that all have kind of sh legitimate arguments for why they're going to win the Super Bowl for the Rams it's it's quarterback play for Arizona it's quarterback play and a, a plethora of weapons for Tampa Bay it's because you still have Tom Brady um Green Bay, it's because you got Aaron Rodgers. Dallas, because Dak Prescott is putting up big-time numbers. And that defense seems to have taken the next step. So the NFL is in a real interesting spot because if you ask me to pick my Super Bowl matchup right now, I couldn't give you one. Couldn't give you one. And normally at this point in the season, I would feel comfortable giving you a pick. And I'm not. Just not. I'm not comfortable doing it. I like Arizona. Would feel better watching Arizona. Like I feel like today would have been a great test for the Arizona Cardinals if Green Bay was at full strength, which you can't tell me Green Bay is at full strength if Devontae Adams is not playing. So this would have been a real nice test to see how legit are the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I don't know. This is, this is going to be interesting going down the stretch. Eventually, I'll have a Super Bowl pick for you. Right now, I don't. Marlon asking me who the MVP is. Again, I said my MVP right now would be Kyler Murray. And it looks like if he can continue to complete 75% of his passes and run the ball all over the place while also throwing the ball all over the place and spreading the ball out to all of his various receivers and now his tight end in Zach Ertz. Watch for Kyler Murray to put up big time numbers. Kyler, I could tell you who my MVP pick would be right now, and it is Kyler Murray. But... Who's going to play in the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know. Picking both sides is difficult because do you believe in any of these surprise teams or do you still believe that Kansas City or Buffalo is, is the team to beat in the AFC? Or are Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase going to take the next step? Are the Raiders and Derek Carr going to take the next step now that John Gruden is gone? Is Justin Herbert that dude? Is is he going to continue to progress and get better with that those wide receivers, with Keenan Allen? with Mike Williams, with Austin Eckler in the backfield? Are the Chargers going to take that next step? Is that Chargers defense going to be able to, to hold up uh, to the level that they're playing at? Or is Tennessee going to just take, kick it old school and hand the ball off 35 times a game and say, stop the stop Derrick Henry. Stop, stop Derrick Henry. Because Derrick Henry is a bus of a man. I know we call Jerome Bettis the bus. So what do we call Derrick Henry? The tank? They can't call him a tank because he's fast, and tanks are not. You call him the bus without a governor? I don't know. That's too long of a nickname. It's too long of a nickname, but I don't know what the Super Bowl, my Super Bowl prediction would be right now if you told me to make one. And if I, if you did make one, not sure I would be confident in that pick tomorrow. So, 
But we're going to move on, staying in the NFL, and, and again, talking about one of those teams that I was just discussing, the C, just kind of these eh grades right now, it, it goes to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes gets a eh kind of grade because his statistics aren't bad, but they're not Patrick Mahomes' statistics. You're looking at Pat Mahomes right now, he's got nine interceptions. Patrick Mahomes has thrown nine picks, some of them really bad like, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? What did you see type of type of stuff going on in his head? And normally you're used to seeing Patrick Mahomes do inhuman type things, make inhuman type of throws, throws that just make no sense at all, throws that you never seen other quarterbacks make. And those things are normal, but now those throws are being picked off. And it makes you wonder, has the NFL figured out Patrick Mahomes? I don't think so. I think part of it, I think there's not a lot of credit being given to the fact that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not in that backfield. Um, that run game has not been able to get going since Clyde Edwards-Alaire got hurt. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has played two fewer games, uh, or two and a half fewer games, if you consider when he got hurt and is still that team's leading rusher. Um and he by far puts up the most rushing yards per game on that team as the highest outside of Tyreek Hill, who has far fewer rushes, um, average yards per run. Um, not to mention Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Elaire plays a big time role in that passing offense as well. Um, and Kansas City's defense is atrocious. If I hadn't already said that plethora was the sports school vocab word of the day, your vocab word of the day would be atrocious. And the meaning of atrocious is Kansas City's defense. It's just not good. And and again, did was the blueprint put out there for how to stop Patrick Mahomes? Get pressure on him, put safety help over the top on Tyreek Hill, jam him at the line, um, and then just double Travis Kelsey? Because that bona fide number two wide receiver has not emerged for Kansas City. It was supposed to be, um, his name's slipping my mind, Miko Hardman from Georgia, uh, who was kind of like a Tyreek Hill 2.0. That hasn't happened. They go out, they sign Josh Gordon. Good luck with that. He's probably going to be suspended tomorrow. Uh, obviously, I hope not. I hope Josh Gordon has figured it all out. I hope he's, he's staying together. But... If you're relying on Josh Gordon, who hasn't played in who knows how long to potentially be a number two receiver, you're not in a good place. Um, there's been some questions about play calling down there in Kansas City, uh, but it starts with Patrick Mahomes and not turning the ball over. Patrick Mahomes has to go back to being superhuman Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs have to go back to outscoring teams. The Chiefs are going to win games 49 to 47. That, that, is, that is what the Kansas City Chiefs need to expect to do because the defense is just not there. Um, Tyron Matthew is, is their, leading, their leading interceptions. He's got two. Um, they're not putting significant pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Um, so Patrick Mahomes gets a C, again, not because his stats are bad, but because they're not Patrick Mahomes stats. They're average quarterback stats. And Kansas City is not a good team if Patrick Mahomes is average. Kansas City is not a good team if Patrick Mahomes is average. Patrick Mahomes has to be 
superhuman Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs to be legitimate. And again, you also got to give credit to Todd Bowles down in Tampa Bay, who I think gave a blueprint on how to stop this Kansas City offense. And until that defense steps up for Kansas City, there's, there's, there's questions that need to be answered about how legit are, are the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're too talented not to. Again, I do also think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming back is going to do wonders for that Kansas City offense, um, as well as pro- providing Pat Mahomes with a check down option if Tyreek Hill's doubled and they're doubling Kelsey off the line and that number two receiver can't beat single coverage on the backside. Um I just think, I think Patrick Mahomes has to go back to being superhuman. And part of that goes with not turning the ball over. Not turning the ball over. He's made some, I think, some, I think the, some of the, sometimes these highlight plays and the, these unreal throws that quarterbacks make can sometimes be the worst things that happen to their careers because then they think they can do it every time. And I think Patrick Mahomes is in that place right now where there's he, he doesn't believe that there's not a throw he can't make. And sometimes the best throw you can make is to not make that throw. And Patrick Mahomes is not there yet. Um, he will be. Patrick Mahomes is too talented. His arm, his arm is too good to not. But he's got to figure it out. And for the Chiefs to be good... He's got to be superhuman, and they got to win games outscoring people. Um, I don't think I think Kansas City needs to continue to try and be Coach Smith. And the comments says experts are saying he needs to be more of a game manager. I see. I think if you try to make Pat Mahomes a game manager, you take away what he does best, and that is his ability to ignite an offense. I think play design needs to come in needs to be really looked at because right now it really is just it's Hill, Kelsey nobody else. There needs to be a bona fide number two receiver on this team whether that's Nicole Hardman, Byron Pringle whoever it is there needs to be a number two receiver because teams are keying in on those two guys and I think that is also affecting Patrick Mahomes. Again because Clyde Edward Lair is normally that check down option and he's great in the pass game as well as great in the run game and right now he's not there on top of that the Chiefs got to get the run game going so that teams have to at least respect the run game right now defenses don't have to respect the run because Kansas City hasn't been able to do it they have not been able to run the ball successfully so they're dropping loads of people into coverage that's going to eventually uh, Clyde Edwards Edwards coming back is going to help the Chiefs with that because they're going to be able to run the ball more. I, I don't want to say they're going to become one of the best run teams in football, but they're going to run the ball more effectively than they are right now. Um, and it's going to give Mahomes a legitimate third passing option if his first two guys are, are covered, and then he can check it down, and he can trust that guy to make a play. So, whereas Patrick Mahomes doesn't believe he's got to get 8, 9, 10, 20 yards on every throw. He can throw this three-yard check down, and that guy can get the next five, the next six, and it's a nine-yard game. So Pat Mahomes gets a C right now. I don't think the Chiefs need to try to change Pat Mahomes in the way that he plays. I just think he needs to be smarter. He needs to understand that, all right, 
That I can't make that throw. I need to trust someone other than just Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. I need to trust Nicole Hardman. I need to trust Byron Pringle. I need to trust Jarek McKinnon, Derek Williams, or Darren Williams, Daryl Williams, the running back. Um, and he's got to protect the football. He can't turn the ball over. Can't can't turn the ball over. The D for today goes to this is an interesting story. It goes to Cleveland. Goes to the Cleveland Guardians, formerly known as the Cleveland Indians. Uh, they're getting sued right now. The professional roller derby team in Cleveland is also called the Guardians. And they're suing the Major League, the Cleveland Major League Baseball team uh, for the name and the naming rights. And so this is an interesting story to me because I never thought it should have been the Guardians. I thought the 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 thing that Major League Baseball should have done was to play homage to um, the former Negro League Baseball team in Cleveland, and and while acknowledging that that league existed and those players did exist, and and how those players don't get as much recognition and attention because they weren't playing in the made quote unquote major leagues and in professional baseball. And I felt like Cleveland should have went back to being called the Cleveland Spiders. That would have brought recognition to the past, um, the past, the, the Negro Leagues. It could have started conversations about Negro League baseball players that played in that league who don't get as much recognition as, say, a Babe Ruth who didn't have to go up against some of the pitchers in that league that may have been better than pitchers that Babe Ruth was going up against. So... Is this that big of a deal and is it that big of a story, especially with the World Series going on and, and NBA is starting and NHL is starting? No, but I do think it is fitting because this could have all been avoided had Major League Baseball taken the opportunity that they had to recognize the game and its roots and the African-American players who did not get as many opportunities to play uh, up until Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Um, I hope the roller derby team wins. I'm cheering for the roller derby team here uh, because I think the right move was to call, was to change the name from the Cleveland Indians to the Cleveland Spiders. And they had the opportunity to do that and they didn't. And I think that is on Major League Baseball. The F, failing grade. Look, right now it goes to, it goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. It goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. They, they have the worst defense in basketball. They have the worst defense statistically in basketball. Now, I understand it's only five games. But their defense has been bad in all five games. Including last night when they blew a 25-point lead. 25-point lead, they blew it. Um, Russell Westbrook had a quadruple-double. Uh, points, rebounds, assists, and turnovers. Um, but I will say Russell Westbrook has looked great in these games that LeBron James has not played in. Um, which makes you wonder, should, should Westbrook lead the second unit? Should Westbrook be starting in that line? When LeBron comes back, should Russ lead the second unit where he's allowed to be more of Russell Westbrook, where he's allowed to be the Russell Westbrook that we're used to seeing in 
Oklahoma City, the Russell Westbrook that we saw in Washington, where he's not the third option, but if he's playing with the second unit or even playing with just Anthony Davis, he can be that Russell Westbrook that we're so used to seeing, that athletic freak that's driving the lane, that's, that's just being more athletic than everyone else. Because he's playing off the ball when LeBron's in the game because LeBron is going to have the basketball in his hands. And LeBron's not a spot-up shooter. He's not going to be a spot-up shooter. LeBron needs the ball to do LeBron things. And no one expects LeBron to, uh, to, to give up his stats to Russell Westbrook. Everyone knew when Russ went to the Lakers that Russ was the one that was going to have to give up stats to both LeBron and Anthony Davis. But Russell Westbrook can be old-school, classic, hair-on-fire Russell Westbrook if... He's leading the second unit. If he's leading the second unit, he can be that guy, that guy that takes all the shots, that um, gains all the attention, that um, is looking to drive and kick, that's going up for big high-flying dunks because no one else on that second unit's going to do it. He could play with Melo. He's played with Melo before. He can come off the bench and... You know, that duo of Russ and Mello can do Russ and Mello things after the first duo of James and Davis are no longer on the floor. And again, I think Russ plays very well with Anthony Davis. I don't think he plays well. <coughs> excuse me. I don't think he plays well with LeBron on the floor. I think the Lakers have a lot to be worried about right now. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder had starters that probably wouldn't be on the Lakers roster outside of Gilgis Alexander. Um, that was the first win of the season for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They were down 25. They were out. The Lakers had scored 72, I believe, in the first half. Um, and they give that lead up. Russ actually gets ejected with two seconds to go because Baisley dunks in the last seconds. Well, guess what? If you don't like it, stop him from doing it. Um, I think the Lakers have a lot to be worried about. I think it's still believe it's early in the season. I think it can be fixed, but I do also believe that they have quite a bit to be worried about um, because you got them fighting on the bench. You got Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard fighting each other on the bench. You got Russ and LeBron that don't look like they, they're re really sure how to play together right now. Uh, what role is Carmelo Anthony going to play? Who is who on that team is going to be a defensive stopper? I assume that's why they go and get Avery Bradley and why they get Kent Bazemore, but even those guys aren't stopping guys right now. The Lakers should be worried. And right now the Lakers get an F because, A, not only did you blow a 25-point lead to the OKC Thunder, but because you're given, you have the worst defense in the league right now, which was always the concern and always the worry. And if that's affecting them right now, I don't think that's something that magically fixes itself as the the season progresses. It didn't with the Nets last year, and I don't believe it's going to fix itself with the Lakers this year because as they play more games, those older guys are going to be more tired. How long can we depend on LeBron to never get tired? How long are we trusting that Carmelo Anthony isn't going to, you know, revert back to a regular basketball player where he's not mellow anymore um is russ gonna stay healthy is anthony davis gonna stay healthy dwight howard already looks like a shell of himself 
And I think the, the Lakers have something to worry about with the way this team is constructed and put together. They, they're, Rajon Rondo is playing a, a whole lot of minutes. Now, mind you, Rondo was on the Atlanta Hawks last year and didn't get a lot of run with them. And then once Rondo was traded, the Hawks actually got better. So watching this Lakers team moving forward is going to be very interesting. Uh, it's going to be something to watch and something to pay attention to. Um, all right, so we've talked World Series. I'm not going to break down the World Series anymore. We're going it, to, it's early in the NBA season. I'm going to give you a little bit of my, my NBA, uh, kind of watch, um, as your lesson for today, what to look for in the NBA as we move forward. Um, one of the teams that I was dead on worried about, and I can tell you this as a, Hawks fan, I was worried that the East was getting better and they were going to continue to get better, and that proved to be correct. And that is the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls are 4-0 right now. Um, they look like they have figured out how to play together with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and Vucevic. So that team looks like they have figured out how to play together and, and what all is going on. The other team that I was that has impressed me so far, and again, very early on in the year, um, are the Hornets, who seem like they are playing very well with LaMelo. Um, the Hawks seem to have taken a next step. You're hoping that this Hawks team continues to grow and continues to develop together. De DeAndre Hunter is back. Hopefully, he can be the DeAndre Hunter that he was last year before he got hurt. You're hoping that Cam Reddish takes the next step. Both of those guys are defensive stoppers. You need those guys to play well for Trey Young to do Trey Young stuff. Um, the Sixers look bad. The Sixers need to figure out what they're going to do with Ben Simmons. Um, the Nets have not looked great. They need to figure out what they're going to do with Kyrie Irving. I feel like the easy answer there is flip them for each other. I think honestly believe that makes the most sense is if you if you send Kyrie to Philly Kyrie can play with Embiid I think that pairing actually works better together um, I also think that if you can send Ben Simmons to the Nets defensive defense has been their biggest issue their defense instantly gets better and you got two 610 guys that can handle the ball and distribute and oh by the way you still got James Harden uh, ben Simmons doesn't have to be the guy anymore. He can be the third option who distributes and facilitates and shuts the other team's best player down. I feel like in my head that trade makes the most sense. Uh, I don't also don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's what makes the most sense and probably what should happen. Um, I do not. I didn't. I, I my dad was right about Milwaukee all of last year. I never thought Milwaukee had a shot of winning the NBA title last year. He called it early. Um, I don't think they're going to repeat, though. Um, I think there'll be a team to watch in the Eastern Conference. I do also, I, I think it's an interesting argument of which conference is better this year. I think the Eastern Conference may actually have more depth. Like, Chicago's legit. The Knicks are going to be good. They're going to play good, hard-nosed defense. The Heat are going to be good. The Hawks are going to be good. The Bucks are going to be good. Philly is eventually going to return back to Philadelphia. The, the the Philadelphia 76ers that we were used to seeing once this Ben Simmons kind of saga plays itself out. Are the Nets going to be bad forever? No, they're going to figure it out. Boston, starting off slow, should get better. Indiana, is Rick Carlisle going to 
get that figured out? Maybe. Um, the Hornets, they were on the cusp of the playoffs last year. They're going to figure it out. The Wizards are 3-1 and one right now. You can never really count out Bradley Beal. Dinwiddie looks like a great addition in the Eastern Conference uh, or in, in Washington. The Eastern Conference is very deep. As a Hawks fan, I, I don't want to say that. I want the Eastern Conference to be bad. It makes the Hawks' path to a potential NBA championship that much easier. But that's surely not the case. And I think that's an argument that can be had is that the East is deeper than the West right now. In the Western Conference, though, the team that is just lighting the world on fire right now is Golden State. Now, we knew Golden State was going to eventually return to form. We knew Golden State wasn't going to be bad forever. Golden State still doesn't have Klay Thompson back. And when Klay Thompson comes back, how much better is this team going to be? And... Is Andrew Wiggins going to continue to be there? They're going to flip Andrew Wiggins for another piece. Again, I've I've said it's another trade that I've put out on here before that seemed to make the most sense to me. If Ben Simmons, if Klay Thompson comes back, and you can send Ben Simmons to Golden State and get the late or the 76ers get Andrew Wiggins back, is Andrew Wiggins a superstar? No. Is he a star? You could make that argument. Ben Simmons' trade value isn't that high right now. So Ben doesn't want to be there. Teams know that. Can you get Andrew Wiggins back? Potentially. I think that trade makes a lot of sense because then Ben Simmons doesn't have to score at all. Ben Simmons with Klay Thompson back, with Steph Curry, he gets to just distribute. Distribute a basketball. They're going to space the floor, which is going to open up those driving lanes for Ben Simmons, which is what he does best. He drives, he hits layups, he dunks, as long as he doesn't get fouled, or as long as Trey Young's not there. Obviously, I'm kidding, but throwback to the Eastern Conference fin- or Eastern Conference playoffs last year. Um, but no, Ben Simmons getting traded to Golden State makes a lot of sense. But right now, they're grooving. And Klay Thompson is eventually going to come back. And if they continue winning like this, maybe they don't change anything. They just add Klay Thompson to the rotation, which makes them that much better. <laughs> Miss Reed in the comment says, I'm going to bet on whoever your dad says will win the NBA title this year. Hey, he had, I, I kid you not, you can go back, listen to past episodes, listen to episodes early on last year. He called Milwaukee early on. James Harden gets traded to the Nets, he stuck with his Milwaukee pick. He was on the Bucks train the whole time. He's a Hawks fan, and he still picked the Bucks. <laughs> so um, he he knows basketball, and, and he called the Bucks early on. He, I, I think, but I I don't think the Bucks are going to repeat. Uh, he thinks Giannis is the greatest player of all time. Obviously, I'm speaking hype in hyperbole, but he, he thinks very highly of Giannis Antetokounmpo, which I think said a lot about why he picked the Bucks to win it all, but I don't think they're going to repeat. Anyway, back to what I was saying about the Western Conference. The Warriors are on top right now. They're 4-0. Klay Thompson is going to come back. That's going to make that team that much better. The Utah Jazz are currently 3-0. Um, are the Timberwolves legit? Because if the Timberwolves, if everyone's healthy, the Timberwolves have a legit 3 Anthony Edwards looks like he's that guy. Can D'Angelo Russell stay healthy? And can Carl Anthony Towns play a little bit of defense? Just a little bit. I don't need a lot. I don't need a lot of defense. I just need a little bit of defense out of Carl Anthony Towns. Like that big three 
looks like they are legitimate. Uh, you can never count out Luka, although the Hawks did beat Dallas. Uh, Trey Young got another win over Luka Doncic in their matchup at the beginning of the season. Um, Damian Lillard has started off the year absolutely atrociously. Um, he couldn't hit water from a rowboat right now, uh, at least when he shoots from three. But he's going to eventually return to form. We know that Dame time is real. Um, so the Trailblazers are legit. The Lakers aren't going to be bad the whole time. They're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with as they continue to build that continuity and learn how to play together. The Suns aren't going to be bad this whole time. Kawhi is going to come back for the Clippers. Um, the Pelicans are a team to watch because that team looks like they've gotten worse and they have regressed. And how long is Zion going to want to stay there or Brandon Ingram or anybody like that? And trust me, I want the Pelicans to be good. My guy, my, my, my Georgia Tech point guard, Jose Alvarado, is in New Orleans playing for the Pelicans. I want the Pelicans to be good. I don't think they're going to be. They look like they've gotten worse. And is Zion going to want to stay there? If they continue to play poorly. Or is he going to try and force his way out a la James Harden? Is he going to try and get himself out of that situation? Is Houston going to trade John Wall? And if they trade John Wall, where is John Wall going to go? Is he going to go to a team that he can make better? I don't know what team is out there that necessarily wants to bring in John Wall and that contract. Um... But that's something to watch because if a team gets John Wall to be a second or a third option, that instantly makes that team better. Um, I'm not ready to make picks on the NBA just yet. I will tell you that I think Trey Young, and again, this may be a homer pick, I think Trey Young is very much capable of winning the MVP this year. I think he's going to continue to just progress as he has done. Um, this year through four games, he's averaging 27 and 10 uh, while shooting 47%, 32% from three. He's hit 100% of his free throws. The new free throw rule that seems to be affecting James Harden quite a bit um, is not affecting Trey Young. Trey Young is still getting to the basket. Um, Trey Young is still able to get. He's still drawing fouls. He's still hitting his free throws. He's still getting these and ones. So the new free throw rule that's affecting James Harden a lot is not affecting Trey Young as much. Trey Young's still getting to the basket. He's still putting up points. He's still scoring buckets. I think Trey Young, although it's going to look like a homer pick, that is my pick to win the MVP. I think the Hawks are going to go as Trey Young goes. Uh, I think that's a guy that you got to look out for. My comeback player of the year, guy that I'm really just rooting for is LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge earlier this season had a classic, uh, I'm not even going to say San Antonio, I'm going to go back to Portland Trailblazers Day um, stat line. I think he had 20 and 10 earlier this year already. I'm rooting for LaMarcus Aldridge. I thought his career was over last year. They get the heart problem under control. Hopefully he stays healthy. Uh, I think he could be a big deal for them. I think he probably, in my opinion, based on what I've watched in the first couple of games, should be starting over Blake Griffin. We'll see if they make that move, or if they continue to use LaMarcus Aldridge off the bench as a scorer. That's the guy that I'm rooting for for comeback player of the year. MVP, I'm telling you, is Trey Young. Um, my dad in the comments, for those that are, that are curious, um, says he'll, he'll tell you his pick in mid-November. So he's going to tell you who's winning the final, which is about the time that he told me the Bucks were going to win the championship. And I told him he was crazy. 
and I feel like if he had put money on that, he would have <laughs> he'd have made quite a bit. I don't know what the over under was on or not the over under. I don't know what the spread was um, for the Bucks to win it all, but it would have been interesting uh, for sure. Um, be sure that you guys are following me on Twitter. So the last two weeks, I've put out my picks um, with the spreads. Um, and I believe I've only, I, I lost one game in the last two weeks. I went seven and one in the last two weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, I picked college football. Last week, I picked uh, NFL football. I'm going to tell you my picks right now as we close this out. So your homework is to go and lay down these numbers real quick. So Iowa-Wisconsin Big Ten battle. Iowa um, is favored by three and a half. I think Iowa is going to just completely rebound from that loss that they have. I think they're going to take it out on Wisconsin. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. Um, eliminate possessions and opportunities for Wisconsin to score. Give me Iowa minus three and a half. Um, Pittsburgh is a juggernaut playing a bad Miami team in Pittsburgh. Uh, Miami, warm weather team going up to Pittsburgh later in October. Probably not going to be the weather that they're used to. T Pittsburgh favored by nine. Look for Pittsburgh to win big. Take Pittsburgh even against the points. So that's two so far. I've given you Iowa minus three and a half. I've given you Pittsburgh minus nine. Um, another one we're looking at uh, the world's largest cocktail party, uh, Georgia. Favored by 14 against Florida. Every year, the Atlanta Braves have gone to the World Series. Florida has beaten Georgia. Every year, Atlanta has gone to the World Series. Florida has beaten Georgia. Not going to happen this year. But, I don't think it's going to be a blowout in the way that a lot of these teams think. Or that a lot of people believe. Um... Georgia doesn't give up a lot of points. Florida doesn't give up that many points either. Georgia gives up six. Georgia gives up seven points a game. Uh, Florida gives up 21. The spread is 14. Florida scores uh, pretty much on par with what Georgia normally scores. Look for this game to be close. I think 14 is a lot of points. Take Florida plus 14. Take Florida plus the 14 to beat Georgia. Er, Georgia's going to win. But Florida's going to win against the spread. Um, and then the last one that I'm going to give you, Wake Forest versus Duke. That quarterback for Wake Forest is legit. If you're not, if you haven't watched Wake Forest play, um, he can sling, Bateman can sling the ball. Last week they play Army, more of an option offense, and Wake Forest was still able to put an option offense that typically takes away possessions and Army was, or not Army, Wake Forest was still able to put 70 points on the board. Um, this week, Wake Forest goes up against Duke, uh, which statistically, like on paper, you would think Duke is better. Statistically, they are not better than Army. They give up lots of points. They don't score a lot of points. The spread is 16 and a half. Look for Wake Forest to cover that 16 and a half and take Duke. So, there's my four college football picks for you. I had Iowa, minus three and a half. I had Pittsburgh, minus nine. I had Florida with the points. 
So UF plus 14, and I had Wake minus 16 and a half. I think that's going to be big time win, big time win. My NFL picks uh, with the spread. Let me go get the, the most up-to-date spreads right now. Um, all right, starting with the Bills and Dolphins. I think the Bills are just that much better, and I think Miami is not a good football team. I think Miami is not a good football team at all. Uh, I think that's a big spread for the NFL. I said that earlier in the year when the Bills had a large spread like that, and they covered easy. Take the Bills minus 14 uh, to beat the Miami Dolphins. I just don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to move the ball. I think Tua has already put out he doesn't know if Miami wants him to be there. I don't think they do. Uh, I think Tua's in his own head right now. I think he's going to commit some sort of just absolutely atrocious turnover um, that is going to just give the Bills the ball. I think he's going to do it more than once. Uh, big game for Josh Allen. Big game for Stephon Diggs. Take the Bills minus 14. Um, the Rams are favored against the Houston Texans. Uh, no question. Texans are not good. Surprised they haven't win. Um, Rams minus 14 and a half. They're going to win big. Uh, both of those very large spreads. Uh, but I still think both teams cover. Um, the Tennessee Titans are favored by two over the Colts. Take that. No doubt about it. I don't think the Colts are going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. Um, at all. And I think the fact that Henry can run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, um, and that in itself is going to take points away uh, or take opportunities to score away. Uh, so take the Titans minus two. Big game for Derrick Henry in that one. Um, and then the last one, take the Bengals minus ten and a half. Again, big point spread, but uh, I think Joe Flacco is going to start for the Jets. And if it's not Joe Flacco, it's Mike White. Um, Bengals are rolling. Bengals are rolling right now. Look for it to continue. So I got three teams with fairly large spreads. Bills, Rams, uh, Bills minus 14, Rams minus 14 and a half, Bengals minus 10 and a half, Titans minus two. Those are your four NFL picks, four college picks. Go lay it down. We'll re we'll look at what it is. Follow me on Twitter at ATLFan underscore NNC uh, for more picks like this. Uh, if you think they're stupid, let me know. We'll I'll gladly argue with you. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, if you, if you want to be on the show, reach out to me again on Twitter. We can get on. We can debate. We can talk. We can talk World Series. We can talk NFL. We can talk NBA. We can talk hockey. I've done a whole hockey episode before. So let me know. Reach back to me. Um, for those of you that, uh, again, were worried about my dad's picks and how much money you could have made if you had listened to him last November, he says, Florida, 27-24 over the, the dogs. I don't know how much of that is a we're both Georgia Tech fans and just don't want Georgia to be the number one team in the country, um, or if he really believes that. But I don't think the Gators win, but I do think they cover so I said, again, that was one of my picks. Take Florida plus 14. Um, shout out to Effortless Entertainment led by Evan Tanner. He's the guy that got me the mic, fixed all my audio problems. Uh, Diamonds and Pearls on Airbnb or VRBO um, for renting out if you're in the Sunset Beach area on the coast of North Carolina. Um, 
look out that looking out if you if you've been there if you've looked them up if you're interested in Myrtle Beach condos there's some of those there's one of those coming soon from another one of uh, my sponsors um, so I'll let you know when those are available uh, just mention sports school podcast and that could potentially get you a discount as well so those those sponsors shout out to Marlon versus Marlon that's the reason the sports school exists uh, they are the ones Marlon Williams again you saw him very early on in the chat interacting been begging me and pleading with me to get back on uh, I'm trying to get a regular schedule going trying to figure out what works well with school now that kids are back in person uh, coaching now that sports are back um, even with COVID restrictions and just being married and trying to make sure that my my wife is happy uh, happy wife happy life that's what I was told very early on that's what my grandma taught me um, but shout out to everybody who reached out to me that wanted to know when sports school was coming back uh, I love it I love getting y'all's feedback um, interacting with y'all in the comments if you want to be on the show reach out to me that's all I got I am out